Right, Jeremiah chapter 15, and we'll start reading from verse 16. Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart, for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. I sat not in the assembly of the mockers, nor rejoiced. I sat alone because of thy hand, for thou hast filled me with indignation. Why is my pain perpetual, and my wound incurable, which refuseth to be healed? Wilt thou be altogether unto me as a liar, or as waters that fail? Therefore thus saith the Lord, If thou return, then will I bring thee again, and thou shalt stand before me. And if thou take forth the precious from the vile, thou shalt be as my mouth. Let them return unto thee, but return not thou unto them, and I will make thee unto this people a fenced brazen wall, and they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee, for I am with thee to save thee and to deliver thee, saith the Lord, and I will deliver thee out of the hand of the wicked. I will redeem thee out of the hand of the terrible." We didn't do anything else and just read that. That would be enough this morning. It's a, it's a wonderful passage. The word encouragement. If you go back, looking back on Jeremiah, Jeremiah had a, a difficult task. And he was a prophet who had a terribly difficult job. And the people wouldn't listen to him. And in chapter 14, there was a drought forecast. And God said there was going to be a famine in the land. But the, the false prophet said, no, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be all right. There's going to be a famine. And they said, uh, no, there isn't. There isn't going to be a famine. The prophets say unto them, ye shall not see the sword, neither shall ye have famine. But I will give you assured peace in this place. They were saying the exact opposite of what God was saying. They said there was going to be a famine. The God said there was going to be a famine and they said no don't worry they were saying peace peace when there was no peace and you know that's exactly the way it is if you go away over to, to Amos you'll see that in Amos chapter 8 and verse 11 just before Obadiah and up around there Amos chapter 8 and verse 11 what does it say behold the days come saith the Lord God that I will send a famine in the land not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing of the words of the Lord. That's what's happening this day. In our land, there's a famine. People are saying, the revivals are happening all over the place. There's a famine of hearing of the word of God. There's a famine. Whether we like it or not, there's a famine in our land. A famine of hearing the voice of God and the hearing a clear message coming from the people of God to a world that needs it. So what happened with Jeremiah? Jeremiah in verse 16, he said, I found thy words and I did eat them. A bit like Ezekiel, when he found the scroll, he ate the scroll. Jeremiah said, I found thy words and I did eat them. If we eat anything, it becomes part of us. It becomes part of us. 
And have we got that hunger? I, I, I call this, are you hungry? Are you hungry enough for the word of God that you, you live on it? Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. He's vital to us. And if we are claiming to follow him, are we eating his word? Are we eating it? Thy word is pure, the psalmist said. Thy word is pure. Therefore, thy servant loveth it. It's pure. We don't want to be feeding on, 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 on bad things. If we feed our minds and our bodies with things which aren't pure, we, we become ill. But if we feed them on the, the word of God, it's pure. It's true. Thy word is true. We don't have to feed our minds on a lot of lies and a lot of false assumptions. Thy word is it's true, the psalmist said. Psalm 119 is a wonderful psalm. I don't know whether you realize it. Every verse in Psalm 119 talks about God's law, God's word, God's covenants, God's commandments. Every verse. Amazing. If you were to sit down and write hundreds of verses like that, all mentioning God's commandments and God's word, it would be a very difficult thing to do. But every verse in the psalm refers to God's law and God's words. Jesus said when he was praying the high priestly prayer, when he was praying the Lord's Prayer, which should be called the Lord's Prayer, in chapter 17 of John, he says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness. And that, he says, thy word, the word is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Sanctify them, he said, through thy word. Thy word is truth. We are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once for all. We are sanctified. What is sanctification? Sanctification is that separation, that keeping ourselves unspotted from the world. We're to be insulated from the world we're not to be isolated we say this again and again and again we're, we're, we're like a cable it's got life in it it's insulated from outside but it produces power and light and that's the way we are we're meant to be separated from the world but in the world giving life and hope to people through the Lord Jesus Christ for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, to them that are sanctified by God the Father. We're sanctified by God the Father. We're sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. That wonderful. We're preserved. We're, we, don't, we don't go off. If you preserve something, it's kept in, its, in, in, in good condition. And if we commit our lives to the Lord Jesus, he will keep us in good condition. And Paul writing, he said, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that, uh, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. We're sanctified by Jesus, by the Word. We're sanctified by God the Father. We're sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And then the psalmist in 119 then again says, and this is, this is lovely, he says, How sweet are thy words to my taste. 
yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Fairer than lily of rarest bloom, he's sweeter than honey right out of the comb. He's all that my hungering spirit needs. I'd rather have Jesus and let him lead. He's sweeter than honey. And if we feed on him, we find that he is nourishing. You know, we have a lot of talk these days about genetically modified food. The word of God, the word is not genetically modified. It's pure. It's the real thing. Man, have, man has tried to move it and change it around and leave bits out and put things in. If it's not in the Bible, it's the pure word of God is what we want. Nothing genetically modified. Are you hungry? Are you hungry for God's word? Are you hungry this morning? Oh, it, it talked to me this last night when I was doing it. And then he says, in verse uh, 16 again, he says, Thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. The joy and rejoicing of my heart. When we eat wholesome food, it does us good. It does us good. And when he ate the word of God, it made him joyful. And it gave him joy and delight. What did Jesus say? Hitherto ye have asked nothing in my name. Ask and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. He wants us to be joyful. And to be full of that joy. John, when he was writing his epistle, he said, These things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. He got the message. And he was trying to pass it on to you and me. He says, let's look at that. Let's look at First John, away the, just before Revelation. Because it's, it, it's relevant, very relevant. First epistle of John. And here's what he says. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him. I mean, he, he knew Jesus. He says, we handled him, we touched him. Elsewhere. And we declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. And if that doesn't give us joy, nothing will. And he says, if we, have, if we walk like that, we have fellowship one with another. We have fellowship with the Lord Jesus throughout our life. Fellowship one with another. Fellowship with the Lord Jesus. What does the psalmist say? He says, I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Delight yourself in the Lord. Take pleasure in him. He gives us joy. He gives us delight. You know, the messages that Jeremiah had to proclaim to people, he was called to deliver, were not always pleasant. And the message that you and I have to send to people and give to people is not always pleasant. 
if you have to tell people that they're going to a lost eternity, it's not pleasant. But still he delighted in it, for it was the true word. And he knew that if the people in his day turned, heeded what he said, and turned from their wicked ways, God would bless them. And that gave him joy and delight. Now, he, his life was hard, his life was difficult, but in the inside he had that deep joy and inner peace which he knew he had because he was trusting in God. And he knew what he was doing was what God wanted him to do. And it will be the same for you and me. It won't be easy. But you'll have that joy and peace within yourself when you know that what you're doing is what God wants you to do. You see, the joy he had, if we go back to Jeremiah again, the joy he had was in mine heart. It was the joy of his heart. And that's the joy. It wasn't this effervescent, uh, super, uh, superficial joy that we have in the world. My wife wasn't reading my notes, you know. <laughs> but it's not that superficial joy. Just on the surface, it's that deep joy. A joy of the heart. A deep inner joy. And why? Another reason why he had that deep inner joy. And here it is. He says, for I am called by thy name. I am called by thy name. O Lord of hosts. This was his reason. Another reason for joy. He was called by God. And he was called for God. He was called by God to, to do what he wanted him to do. He was called by God from, from the mother's womb. We'll look at that in a minute. Sanctified from the mother's womb. Before he was born, God had him picked out as a person to work for him. And he was called to do the work for God. And that's, that's you and me. We've been called by God. If we have put our faith and trust in him, we've been called by him. And we have been called to do his work. An awful, awesome responsibility is on our shoulders if we really believe this. And what increased his joy? What increased his joy? That he was a prophet, and I wrote it out just because I, I want to get it right, not of Baal or, 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 or of a false prophet that could not hear. And we know the story of uh, the, when, when the prophets of Baal were trying to contact their God and they cut themselves and Elisha jeered them and said maybe he's away doing something. They're dumb, they're deaf. He says he was a prophet not of Baal that could not hear nor help his prophets and worshippers, but of the Lord God of the hosts of the armies of heaven, who was able to uphold him, protect and defend him against his enemies. That gave him joy. That, that gave him joy. That gave him peace. That gave him delight. That gave him satisfaction. And because of that, because of that, in verse 17 it says, I sat not in the assembly of the mockers, nor rejoiced. 
he says, I sat alone. I sat alone. I sat alone. And you know, the sad thing is that if we are prepared to, to stand up for the truth of God's word, that's going to be true today. You'll stand alone. But Jeremiah did. He stood alone. He didn't go with all the people, all the hype that's around today. He didn't get involved in that. He stood alone. And you and I will stand alone, but we'll be standing with Christ. If we stand up for the truth of Scripture, we are counted narrow and we're counted extreme and we we'll be isolated but that's what happened he stood alone he stood alone didn't get involved with all that was going on around him but read Ezekiel 9 quickly Ezekiel chapter 9 and 8 and 9 are good chapters to read but chapter 8 God had given Ezekiel a vision of what was going on in the church all the wrong things that were happening all the abominations which are taking place and if we look around the churches today we can see all these abominations which are taking place all the hype all these gold fillings all that kind of stuff but in chapter 9 God spoke and if you look at chapter 9 and verse 4 and the Lord said unto this angel go through the midst of the city through the midst of Jerusalem and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abomination that be done in the midst thereof I sat alone because of thy hand for thou hast filled me with indignation are we indignant about what is happening to God's church do we sigh and cry for all the abominations that be done in the land because if you do you'll stand alone you'll stand alone and he went on to say, why is my pain unceasing? Why are my wounds incurable? Why have I got this constant desire to see the church purified? God is looking for people who sigh and cry and have a burden for the church that it may be purified. The prophet's pain and anguish was for Israel he had stood alone and therefore God's promises to him were wonderful God's promises to him were wonderful if we look on now to verse 19 therefore thus said the Lord if thou return then will I bring thee again and thou shalt stand before me God is speaking here to Israel if you repent and return to God we he's saying these things will happen and he's saying that to maybe to you and to me this morning he's saying it to the church this morning 
Repent. Come back to me. Get rid of all this hype. Get rid of all the, the, the things that are not pleasing to me. And then we will stand before God. We'll stand before God. Ephesians 6. That we, we all know it so well. I think we, we uh, mentioned it in prayer maybe. Uh, Ephesians. Put on the whole armor of God. Uh, Ephesians 6. And uh, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand. Stand up. Stand up for Jesus. The trumpet call obey forth to the mighty conflict in this his glorious day either our men now serve him against unnumbered foes let courage rise with danger and strength to strength the pose we will stand as a petitioner but also as a servant stand Jeremiah 15 uh, just back back one, one, one chapter the beginning of the chapter God said Israel had gone so far away from him. They'd gone so far away from him that then the Lord said unto Jeremiah, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my mind could not be moved towards his people. That's a very solemn thing, wasn't it? He said even if Moses... Now Moses was constantly pleading for Israel. If you read through Exodus, and, and Moses was constantly putting his, his life on the line before God. But he said, even if Moses or Samuel was here, it's no good. These people have, are going to have to suffer. And he, 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 says, he said in another place to Jeremiah, don't even pray for these people. Don't even pray for them. Because those people had to come. But God knew that they weren't going to humble themselves. God knew that they were going to be taken into Babylon captivity. In captivity. Because they were proud, they believed the false prophets... And so like the way things are going today. The church needs to, to come to its senses. He says, even if Moses or Samuel was here, I, I, they wouldn't change my mind. Very solemn thing. Very solemn. But you'll be there as a petitioner before God on behalf of these people, but you'll also be there as a servant. And Paul says, what did he say? I'm a bond slave of Jesus Christ. A bond slave of Jesus Christ. A bond slave. Only doing what God wants us to do. And he says, how is this going to come about? And listen. This is vital. He says, therefore, if you stand before me, if thou shalt take forth the precious from the vial take forth the precious from the vial the precious that which is costly and the vile that which is worthless and we have to separate the two and he says that's what you're going to have to do you're going to have to take the precious away from the vile. You have to separate yourselves. That was the trouble. That was what God was saying to Israel over and over and over again. Separate yourselves. Keep yourselves holy. Sanctify yourselves. And that's the way it is with the church today. We have to separate ourselves. Take the precious away from the vile. 
take the precious away from the vine. Take that which is worthless. All that dross which is around today has to be taken. All these alpha courses and things. Take them away. You know, there's an alpha thing. The Archbishop praises alpha on Pope visit as Catholic Church hosts conferences. You know, I just don't understand it. Gets me cross. And then we have people saying, you know, oh, but people have been saved through Alpha. It doesn't matter whether people have been saved through Alpha or not. God's word is sovereign. It'll save, uh, Jacob Price was saved in the, in, the, in the children of God with their free love and all that kind of stuff. But he came out of it. Amen. Separate the vile from the precious. And then you'll stand before God. There's a good verse in, in, look at Jeremiah 23. Jeremiah 23 and verse 26. How long, how long shall this be in the heart of the prophets that prophesy lies? Yea, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart, which think to cause my people to forget my name by their dreams, which they tell every man to his neighbor, as their fathers have forgotten my name for Baal. The prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat? What has chaff got in common with wheat? And that's what we want to find. That's what we want to sort ourselves out. We have to find out. We have to pe preach the grain, the, the, the solid food for people. Chaff. Get rid of the chaff, he says. Get rid of the worthless. Separate the vile from the precious. And he says, then, you shall be my mouth. You shall be my mouth. Oh, that we would be the mouthpiece for God, preaching his word faithfully, day by day. And then, this is important. He says, Let them return unto thee, but return thou not unto them. Let them return unto thee, but return thou not unto them. What does that mean? What he was saying to him was, the prophet was sent to Israel. And he was saying, God was saying, you're not to comply with anything that they are doing. You're not to get involved. You're not to conform to their actions or flatter them or, 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 or try to soothe them in their sins as the false prophets were doing. He says, if they return to you, if they return to you, and listen to what you're saying, and received his words and his messages, and agreed and conformed to what he was saying, and what God was saying through him, and follows his directions and examples that God was telling him to tell the people, it would be very well. Let them return unto thee. Don't compromise with these people. Don't, don't go their way a little bit. Let them return to you. But return not thou unto them. Otherwise, he was not in the least bit to give any way. We cannot compromise the word of God. We have to let them compromise their false teachings and come back. Let them return unto thee, but return not thou 
unto them. Don't have any compliance with them, either res with respect to doctrine or practice. And that's the only way we'll stand before God and stand alone. And then, listen, listen to the promise God gave Jeremiah. He says, I will make unto thee, this people, a fenced brazen wall, and thou shalt, they shall fight against you. Huh. You know, he didn't say they were going to stop fighting against them. They were going to keep on fighting against them. And they're going to keep fighting against you if you stand alone for God. They're going to keep on. They're not going to stop. But you're going to be like a fenced bronze wall. And they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee to save thee and to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Look at Jeremiah. You know, God was very gracious to Jeremiah. He was only reiterating what he had said to Jeremiah at the start. And we looked at this a minute ago, didn't we? Jeremiah chapter 1, he says, Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I, I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Jeremiah was a very special person. Very, very special person. But in verse 18 it says, I have made thee this day a defensed city and an iron pillar and brazen walls against the whole land. Jeremiah, you're going, to, you're going to work for me. Yes, Lord, I'm going to work for you. Who am I going to have to... Oh, well, just about a little group of people. You're going to have to speak to them. No, listen. Listen to the list of people he was, <laughs> he was going to have to speak against. Speak against the whole land against the kings of Judah against the princes of Judah against the priests of Judah and against the people of the land everybody everybody he was going to have to speak out for God against everybody what a task he had and all through all through Jeremiah they tried to kill him they threw him down into pits they, they, they did terrible things to him but when God called them, he said, they shall not fight against, they shall fight against thee. They shall fight against thee. You're going to have all these problems. But they shall not prevail against thee, for I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. And he says the same again in verse 20. You shall be like a brazen fenced wall, a, brazen, a bronze wall. And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee to save thee and to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Be prepared. Be prepared. They shall fight against thee. Be prepared. They shall not prevail against thee. Believe that. I am with thee to save thee and to deliver thee, saith the Lord. I am with thee. I am with thee. What did Jesus say? When he, when he was preaching, speaking to his disciples just before he left, in Matthew 28, he says, Teach them, and I put it down low, to observe all things. To observe all things. That's the secret. We just don't give them a bit of the gospel. Or teach them to observe all things. All things whatsoever I have commanded you. And then, then, lo, I am with you always. We cannot claim that he's going to be with us always unless we are prepared to teach the people all things which whatsoever he's commanded. And lo, I am with you always. And 
Jeremiah was told, I will deliver you out of the hand of the wicked and redeem you from the grasp of the ruthless. There are ruthless men out there. But God will deliver us. God will give us that strength and that comfort and we'll have that joy. But we have to be hungry. We have to be hungry for the word of God. Is the word of God as honey to our mouths? He's fairer than lily of rarest bloom. He's sweeter than honey right out of the comb. He's all that my hungering spirit needs. I'd rather have Jesus and let him lead. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather be his than have houses or land. I'd sooner be led by his nail-pierced hand than to be the king of a vast domain and to live in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. God bless you.